Hi, welcome to the fourth Laser Pulse episode. Today we're discussing a paper published in the Journal of Agricultural and Food Chemistry that talks about how the mineral content of water can affect the taste and strength of coffee. Since we haven't done one in a while, remember that these Pulse episodes are short, one-topic episodes, so a little bit easier to listen to than a full three-topic show. Hope you enjoy it! Hi, everybody, and welcome to either episode 18 or some shortened Pulse episode. 17.333, uh, repeating, of course. Repeating? Okay. I don't know. <laughs> sure, 17.333, repeating. I'm Cameron Copas, and today my co-hosts are Greg. Hi. Hi, and uh, Chris. Hello. And uh, we just have a short show today. We, we, don't, we didn't really have an episode prepared, so we wanted to do something. Um, so we are going to talk about this... Something about coffee. Yes. Yeah, where's the article, though? You guys, this introduction is not nearly energetic enough to be about coffee. Yes. We're going to talk about coffee, guys! Coffee, 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 coffee! Too late. So the article is from businessinsider.com, and the title is A Chemist I... Has Uncovered a Secret to Brewing Delicious Coffee at Home. After some review of the article on paper, I'd be inclined to say this is probably better for uh, local coffee brewers. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't exactly seem seem to be attainable at home. But if you're hardcore about chemistry, you could probably make it work for you. <laughs> All right, so actually, are either of you really into your coffee? I have a lot of it. I don't really care how it tastes. I haven't been in a while, but I still love it. Okay. You don't even drink coffee now, do you, Greg? Occasionally. Occasionally? Yeah. Okay. Well, so I'm I'm kind of a coffee snob and a coffee nerd. You I've know, definitely I've, been putting a lot of research here and there into uh, dealing with acidity levels because I've been having stomach problems with that recently. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe this paper can actually help with that. A little bit. All right. Okay. So the paper is actually a collaboration between uh, Christopher Hendon, who's a PhD student in computational chemistry at University of Bath, and he collaborated with two baristas at, uh, I'm assuming, his favorite coffee shop. <laughs> well, they weren't well, just was... any old baristas. They won, like, the UK Barista Championship. Oh, is Apparently, that right? it's, yeah, the Leslie Colonna Dashwood and Maxwell Colonna Dashwood of Colonna and Smalls, which I believe is a coffee shop on Six Chapel Row in Bath, the United Kingdom. All right. Well, so these are serious baristas. Indeed. Anyway. So what the... The primary focus of the paper was is they uh, they went through and they studied through computational chemistry uh, exactly what type of water or how water hardness would affect the output flavors of, of chemistry, oh, <laughs> not of chemistry, of your coffee. I was a little dismayed to find uh, out that uh, distilled water uh, is actually, I guess for better or worse, kind of neutral flavored. 
uh, whereas the harder water uh, is where the, the real gambling begins. Yes. So I don't know that they actually specifically said distilled water. I mean, they did in the article, but not in the paper. Um, Which is any kind of software that's low on ionic content, yeah. specifically magnesium and calcium. Okay. So let's go through, or I guess we can go through the method. So first what they did is they went into coffee and they described seven compounds that are found in a cup of coffee. Uh, I don't know if these are the primary seven or if they're the most important to the taste, but I'm, I'm hopefully assuming that they selected the ones most important to the taste. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they are lactic acid, malic acid, citric acid, quinic acid, chlorogenic acid, caffeine, and eugenol. Eugenol? How would you guys pronounce that? Eugenol. eugenol. All right. Anybody who says you goes to the trouble of saying Eugene all and correct everybody else is just asking to be punched. <laughs> in my what's, what's civil the, opinion. What's the German word for a face that needs a fist in it? Bachweifengesicht. Thank you, Greg. I'm busy. <laughs> so they, they described these seven compounds and uh, talked about how these the concentration of these compounds affects the flavor of the coffee. And... So the, all these compounds, let's see, they, they actually describe what they add to the uh, to the coffee, and the malic and lactic acid will make the coffee kind of sour. The citric acid makes it kind of sweet. Uh, mm. The quinic and chlorogenic acids make it pungent and unpalatable. Caffeine is probably the reason why most people drink coffee in the first place. Is it tasteable? I forget. I I don't know if caffeine can be tasted. Hmm. I wouldn't imagine it because like you, I'm going completely on on a, on a whim here, but like you have the most caffeinated sodas around, and the only thing you really notice in those is the different, maybe a difference in sweetness, and that's probably brought about by either uh, sugar or high fructose corn syrup. That's uh, true. Yeah. Yeah, and there's always a lot of that. There's those extra caffeine things like the gum and mints and. Uh, I'm looking it up right now. And all that. And okay, and finally, the eugenol uh, is described as a delightful woody note found in coffee, wine, and whiskey. Hmm. So there's all all of those. There are at least those seven compounds present in your coffee. Oh, so is that the compound that makes it what whiskey tastes like a campfire in your mouth? That's right. Is that is that the compound? I'm. I believe so. I'm I'm trying to remember. I should know this because I took my fermented beverages class, and I'm pretty sure they talked about that. But yeah, I'm pretty sure eugenol is the compound that makes it taste like a campfire. Okay. And all of these chemicals, they can bond to water molecules, so they can dissolve to a certain extent in the solution. It just so happens that with certain ions, uh, for example, definitely uh, calcium and magnesium, the binding energy just happens to be higher so it's a higher energy payoff to bind to bond um with those metal ions than it is to bond with water yeah yeah which means that it will dissolve in a solution that contains those ions better than in in a water solution that's just water and or sodium because apparently sodium is basically like water well no sodium is a metal ion i mean i mean in terms of the binding oh in terms of the binding energies yes so depending on the the quality of your water i think it's it's kind of a it's commonly known, at least among coffee people, that the quality of your water going into the coffee is very, very important for the quality of the coffee coming out. Yeah. Uh, but this actually kind of turns around 
some of the common knowledge. People before have used use their RO water or uh, bottled water, or distilled filtered. water, filtered water. Yeah. And uh, which standardizes the taste because once you take out all the ions, then it's usually consistent. Yes. Well, except there's a thing where if you get a filtered water or if you get a bottled water or something like Dasani, that mm-hmm. had is has been softened. Right. It's distilled and then they add sodium ions for taste. Yeah, I'm just saying it makes the, that concentration more uniform. It's just okay. it's uniformly yeah. sucky <laughs> compared to what it could be if you had a higher concentration of magnesium ions. Yeah. Okay, so well, let's, I guess we're jumping ahead right right ahead to the results of this paper. Yep. Uh, they compared waters high in, or at least the binding energies, to three common ions mm-hmm. in water. And the three common ions are magnesium, calcium, and sodium. These are magnesium-2, calcium-2, sodium-1 ions. Uh, so sodium would be what you get with a bottle of Dasani, or if you have a water softener on your home, uh, yeah. or or if you have an advisor who brings uh, those big jugs of distilled water to the office. Will those have sodium, or will they be just? I don't know. I've I have no idea really. Yeah. Oh, okay. But the whole point is, if if sodium is the only really big ion in the in the water, then it may as well, for the purposes of dissolving all these different compounds, you may as well just have pure water. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the the final result. He compared the binding energies using this uh, computational chemistry knowledge. Let's see, what did he use? Did they actually use density functional theory? I believe they did to calculate what the threat to calculate what the binding energies were. Okay, so he used density functional theory to calculate binding energies, but bonding energies between these seven molecules and the ions in question, so the calcium, magnesium, and sodium. So what's what's happening is instead of the compounds just dissolving in the water when they're in, when the water's in contact with the beans, these ions can actually stick to the compounds in the coffee beans and like pull them out. Yeah, and because it's a higher energy path to bind with those, then you get you still get some out if you dissolve it with just water, but you get more out for a given amount of time if those ions are present. Yeah. Because it's a bigger energy payoff. And uh, mm-hmm. it shows that magnesium bonds most strongly to all seven of these ions. Calcium is next, and sodium is much lower than the two of them. So let's take, for example, caffeine. Uh, the bonding energy between sodium and caffeine is about six times lower than that between sodium and calcium. And the bonding energy between sodium and caffeine is ten times lower than it is between magnesium mm-hmm. and caffeine. So if you use a mag- manganated, can I say manganated water? <laughs> High magnesium. High magnesium water. You don't want to confuse magnesium with manganese. Oh, you're right. Not manganese. Right. That's an yeah. entirely different metal. Yeah. Also cool. Also super hard, apparently. If you, I forget which, no, like manganated steel. Is manganated a word? Probably not. Show this up. Manganese steel. Mangaloy. Mangaloy. Yeah. yeah, that's what it's called. Mangaloy is is. They like to use that for um, backhoe and bulldozer uh, blade teeth. Okay, and it has to be martensite too. Pretty much. It's martensitic and super hard. Yeah. All right. For martensite. That's, that's off topic, and this isn't the metallurgy episode. Anyway. <laughs> now we're gonna have to explain what martensite is. More to come in a metallurgy episode. Yeah, more, yeah. So stay tuned for a metallurgy episode. Uh, so I guess we, we kind of need to back it up a little bit and talk about how this uh, this reaction takes place. 
So there are maybe five variables for making your coffee. You mm -hmm. have the roast of the beans, the temperature of the water, the time the water is in contact with the beans, the yep. surface area of the beans, so basically how small you grind them, the and the pressure of the the water reaction. But those are all factors that most baristas can control pretty precisely. Yes, all those are, are the main or things that, that you can, control. Or they can at least control it. <laughs> well, I mean, if you have something like a clover coffee system, you can control those almost exactly. You can dial in oh. the pressure, the temperature, the contact time, nice. and all that. Uh, the other ways you control it are, say you want short or you want medium contact time, you would mm -hmm. use pour-over coffee. If you want long contact time, you use a French press. If you want short contact time, you use an espresso machine. So that's high pressure, short time, high temperature is espresso. Right. And uh, Or if you really want sweet coffee, you can do cold brew, which is just long time, low pressure, low temperature. And that's usually low acid? And Yes, that's, usually, that's much lower acid than the others. It'll taste sweeter. Uh, I'm learning so much, I didn't even know that sweet coffee was a thing except for adding creamer and sugar. Well, it's no, just less yeah. acidic. Well, if honestly. you make a toddy coffee, though, you can drink it. Even people who don't like black coffee can drink a toddy uh, black, usually, hmm. or more often, because it's much more sweet. And I believe it contains higher caffeine. I'm not 100% up to speed on that. So those are all the, the normal variables you can control. And now with this, the suggestion is that uh, you should use water that is at least partially hard, but mm -hmm. preferably hard with magnesium instead of calcium. So don't use your reverse osmosis system water or your water softener water to make your coffee. Or do, because then it's super uniform, as long as you have the exact right ion mix, just okay, or yeah. salt mix to add right in. Yeah. Assuming you all have magnesium chloride just sitting in your pantries in easy, easily weighable form. <laughs> yeah, so the final conclusion is that magnesium is probably the best, because it has the benefit of extracting the most of these compounds mm -hmm. when it's in contact with the mean. One thing that would be interesting, actually, is if they started researching that for uh, doing this same research for uh, beer compounds, because I've noticed a lot of people talking over the years about how Colorado water is so much better for beer just because it's got more minerals in it and all these other places actually import water from Colorado or try to mineralize their own water to make it the right quality. So it makes me wonder if they've already done some of this research in breweries already or if to a certain extent, some of yet. it has, because if you buy... Say you buy uh, a bunch of stuff from your homebrew store. Yeah. Often they will give you a packet of they call it beer salts or brewing salts. Oh, it's compensated for that. Yeah, it's it's uh, sodium and calcium and probably magnesium and other things that will help reharden your water. So everybody starts usually in general you start off with clean filtered water, mm -hmm. and then you if you are brewing in an area that doesn't have water that's famous for beer, you will add these beer brewing salts. And that helps with the extraction of the of the flavors from the uh, the mash. Maybe we should look into the composition of those salts and see if we can just start putting in coffee. Yeah, I don't know exactly what they are. It might be interesting to add some brewing salts to your coffee water. So, but like just like on a coffee maker volume of water basis, is that the best way to do this? I don't know. It might be tough. You probably this this the, the article at least says that uh, 
this is the secret for brewing good coffee at home, but I think it would be best for someone like a uh, a coffee shop who has a large volume of water and maybe they get special water specifically for making coffee. Oh, yeah. No, there, there's some pizza places I know that'll make a point of doing just New York City water and they'll take it in as bottled. Yeah. yeah. Which seems like such an absurd idea to me, but whatever. Well, um, I mean, if you look at okay, our local brewery, Four Peaks, sources their water for every beer from random parts of the world. Oh, to, and to compare that? Yeah, so right. the different styles of beer are made with water associated with that particular area for that style. Interesting. But yeah, once you get the chemical profile right, you could probably reproduce that um, on a batch-wise basis pretty easily. Well, there you go. Okay, for... we got a whole batch of water that's going to go towards a particular batch of coffee. Let's put mix it all together, make sure it's all the same ion concentration, and then put in whatever's missing for magnesium and or calcium. Yeah. So there you go. That's, that's your new business model is you can start selling counterfeit uh, Colorado water for beer and coffee. Or you send, or you sell the uh, on-site correction machines. or Instead of, yeah, it's a water softener and then re... Water re-hardener. Re-hardener. <laughs> now, Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, is there, is there a way to tap the water supply of a building prior to the water softener? Yeah, I don't see why not. Like in your home, you get your water softener just at an arbitrary place in the line wherever it fits. Interesting. And so, like, at least in my home, we had certain faucets that weren't on the water softener because of that's the way the house was plumbed. Right. All right. Well, I guess one thing to, to point out is, though, that the water that they are considering had a total dissolved solid of only... Total dissolved solids is a measurement of how much... How much I, or, total dissolved solids is, like, a general measurement of how much of these ions is actually in any water... And it's a pretty simple test. It just measures, uh, you can measure it pretty simply. And But they are using water with a maximum, an upper limit of 300 parts per million total dissolved solids, uh, which unfortunately for us here in Arizona is much lower than the, the groundwater. Um, I have seen up to 1,500 parts per million, parts per million of just total calcium. Total dissolved solids or yeah. just calcium? Cal- well, I'm assuming it's, it's calcium total dissolved solids, but... So if we can find some way to precipitate out the calcium and replace it with magnesium. Or partially just, precipitate out. Maybe there's magnesium in the water here, too. I don't know. I haven't actually... I don't know a water profile. I'm sure we can well, look that up on that. Yeah. yeah. So there's actually a map on this article that we are reading uh, with the concentration of hardness of calcium carbonate in milligrams per liter over the country. So you can actually look at your area of the United States, at least, on this map and see how calcium hard your water is. So we're, like, surrounded by hard water areas, but we're not a hard water area here in Phoenix. Yeah, that's kind of strange. Michigan, on the other hand, is just jolly well left. Michigan has, no, Michigan has medium hardness. They're good. Oh, most most of it's just like Phoenix. It's what? Most of it looks just like Phoenix. Yeah. Oh, and apparently for Minnesota, it's all the plains areas that just suck. That's so lame. <laughs> well, again, this is only the calcium. So if you can find it, and this is from 1975. So if you can find the, the I'm sure your local water utility has uh, has <laughs> concentrations, like average concentrations of, of minerals in your water. Is this all drawn according to like water drainage area? Because I'm noticing a lot of areas where the state lines aren't respected. Yeah, I don't know about this map. I think that's what it is. Like every region is... No, color, wait. It's stuff that drains into the same body of water, probably. Yeah, it talks about hydrologic unit area. And uh, since neither none of us are 
from geologist or anything. I don't know what that means. All right. Well, so anyway, I guess that's pretty interesting. So now we know uh, what to look out for. At at least at, at the very least at home, we can know what we can know to avoid uh, sodium water. Mm-hmm. And if you can find magnesium water, that'd be great. Are you sure your water is properly ionized? Please yeah. buy this ion corrector today. <laughs> be sure to place it ahead of or after your water softener line. <laughs> All right, Greg's gonna start a company that's that's uh, making perfect water for coffee. Please God, no. Yeah, I'll well, just be the chemist. Somebody else can be the business person. Fair enough. Do you have anything else to say, Chris? I'm burning up here. I have to turn my fan back on. That's that's fine. Yeah, you always please. I thought you had already turned it on. I thought I heard it before. Okay. Nope. Yeah, go ahead. <sighs> so much better. All right. Well, thank you guys for uh, for doing this super short notice episode. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, and I think we'll have another episode next week. At least I think we have one scheduled to record next week. I could do it remote if we had to. Okay. All right. Um, Other than that, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening, and uh, have a good night. Signing off. See ya. Bye. Y'all stay classy now you're here. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. This has been Laser. Let's agree science and engineering are rad. Show notes with links to everything we talked about are available on the website at laserpodcast.com. You can send us an email to contact at laserpodcast.com, contact us on Twitter at laserpodcast, or find us on Facebook or Google+. If you want to help out the podcast, you can tell a friend or leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio, or you can use the Amazon affiliate link on our website before you make any Amazon purchases. Thanks to the band Crying for providing our intro music and to The Wild for providing our outro music. Is something really loud on your side? I have my fan running. Do you want me to turn it off? If you could turn it off, that'd be great. Let's see if that'll help. Is that any better? Yes. Move this part earlier. (laughs) That's one way to make a note for it. Okay. Yeah.